Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan, and veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you guys waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. The options are endless with Factor. Two-minute meals. Fill up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. How about some snacks, some smoothies, and more? Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Factor is also the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. And you guys can be very flexible with your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And the most important part, there's no prep. No mess. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. So there's no prepping. There's no cooking or cleanup that is needed. If that sounds great to you guys, head to factormeals.com slash script 50 and use code script 50 to get 50% off. That's code script 50 at factormeals.com slash script 50 to get 50% off. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Why is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking.
on, guys. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is your SmackDown and AEW Rampage post-show for January 28th, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York, and you guys know what time it is, man, and where we are this is the OTS venue. Make sure your beverages are ice cold. It is going to be a very, very long and busy weekend, man. Thank you guys for joining me wherever you may be on this snowy New York Friday evening. I can't stand the snow, man. I can't stand the snow. One moment, it's going to be 10 inches. Then it's going to be 2 inches. Then it's 5 inches. And now I look at my iPhone and the weather report, 10 inches. Why do I need 10 inches of snow? I don't get it. What do we need snow for in general, man? I wish we could abolish snow altogether. Seriously. I wish, I wish upon a star, man, one day I will be living in a tropical climate, not having to worry about snow ever again. Then I got the extreme heat. I'd rather take the extreme heat than I, uh, than I would deal with the snow, man. I can't, I can't deal with the snow. I can't deal with the snow. But the, the, the good thing about the snow is I, I, went, I went to the Ford dealership in the Bronx which is a complete fucking cesspool, man. What a, what a shithole the Bronx has turned into, man. I had to drop the Stang off. I had to drop the Mustang off at the repair shop. I'm going to be without it for about 10 days or so. New transmission going into the Mustang. The, and it's not my fault. I'm not, a, uh, I'm not a reckless driver or anything. It's just a manufacturer defect. The car's only three years old. But it is, uh, it's an unfortunate circumstance, and it's a... Uh, uh, just a ridiculous situation. The, the most positive thing I could say about this snowstorm is that I don't have to shovel my fucking car out. Because you guys know, and if you guys live in the city, man, you, you park on the street, the fucking snow plow comes in, you, you, sw- you shovel the fucking car, everything's right. I'm like, yes, my car can escape its icy tomb, right? Wheels are all clean. There's no, there's no snow. You're not going to be fucking slipping and sliding out of your parking spot. Then the snow plot comes in. You're all plowed all over again, man. Fuck the city and fuck the snow. I don't have to deal with that, this snowstorm, man, because the car is inside the repair shop. I love it. That's the only positive thing. And Jesse's already making fun of my fucking car, man. Listen, man, one of these days, man, Thunder Rose is going to grab your neck and not let go. I'm telling you right now. So uh, that's my story for today, man. Now, speaking of Jesse... I would rather talk about anything else but fucking SmackDown tonight, man. The show sucked. Um, Jesse, apparently, and shout out to my boy Big Hodge, man. Big Hodge is back in the game after some time away to deal with family issues, and now he's more rejuvenated than ever before. Big Hodge reached out to Jesse. Big Hodge is sending Jesse an entire new podcast setup. I don't know when he's going to get it, Maybe he'll have it on Wednesday, if not the following week. Big Hodge has supplied Jesse with an actual microphone. Wow. Now maybe he won't sound like an android on Wednesday night, man. Maybe he'll sound just as good as me. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. What else happened tonight, man? Uh, Yeah, House of Glory. You guys are uh, in the know about House of Glory. Me and Solomonster. We had the pleasure of calling the uh, Women's Championship Tournament 
a couple of weeks ago. There was a delay on the feed being shown on Fight, way beyond our control, nothing that we could really uh, work through. It was all on Fight. But that show went live tonight. Who runs the world? Girls. Our Women's Championship Tournament to crown our new House of Glory Women's Champion. Uh, That aired tonight on Fight. It was about an hour and a half because we cut it and our production team edited it. So if any of you guys watched that show, man, I'd be very curious to know what you guys thought about the show and uh, how Jason and I did on commentary. So make sure you guys... Uh, let me know about that. And if you want to go watch it on Fight Man, $9.99, about an hour and a half. Some great stuff on there, man. The, the women's tournament was really, really, really solid. So I want to thank you guys for always showing support for the House of Glory thing. And we will be back live on Fight for February 12th, man. We got Private Party. We got, I think the Lucha Brothers are going to be there. If they're going to be wrestling or not, I'm not sure. I don't think so with Ray Phoenix's injury. And we just announced Jay White. Yes, Switchblade, Jay White, will be in attendance. He will be in the ring. Wrestling who? I I don't know. But they just announced him, man. It's going to be a great show, February 12th. That is on Fight TV. That is Valentine's Day weekend. Should be good. Tonight, man, we're going to announce the winner of the free Wrestle Rumble for Life contest. I'm actually going to do that right now, man. I'm actually going to do that right now. Wrestle Rumble is giving away, or was giving away, a lifetime supply of picks for their Pick'em contest. To one lucky listener, man. Hopefully it's an off-the-script listener. I'd love for that person to be an OTS listener, man. So the Wrestle Rumble team has given me the great duty of announcing the winner tonight on the show. And if you guys have entered that contest, I retweeted it. The Wrestle Rumble Twitter account was talking about it. I'm going to announce the winner right now, man. The winner of the Wrestle Rumble Pick'em for Life contest is Cameron Mumford. That is at IamCam8404 on Twitter. Cameron, you are a life Long pick'em winner right there for WrestleRumble.com. Make sure you guys go and play Wrestle Rumble this weekend, man, for the Royal Rumble. You can win $1,000 cash. That's first prize, second and third place, $100, man. Everybody's going to be swimming in the money Royal Rumble weekend, man. It's the toughest pick'em of the year. I will say that from uh, firsthand experience. The toughest pick'em of the year. So you better use your knowledge which I supply you with every single week. Make sure you guys go play Russell Rumble, man. WrestleRumble.com and win some cash. I'll be playing. And we're going to have a good time during the Royal Rumble tomorrow night live on Peacock. Speaking of which, I will be live for the Royal Rumble. Live stream, one of the biggest shows that I do all year. Can't wait to talk about it. It's my favorite show of the year. And we will be live on YouTube from the OTS venue. So make sure you guys RSVP to that when you see the notification pop up. Should be around uh, 12 or so. I think this show's going to be about a four-hour show. So we will uh, we will hit the Royal Rumble hard, and we will have a great time tomorrow in the venue, man. So thank you guys very much for all of your support. I will be live, and I can't wait tomorrow night. Follow me on Twitter, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. 
Turn on the bell for all notifications. Hit that thumbs up, guys. We got 1,400 plus in the venue right now. You guys are still coming in. You guys are taking your coats off. You guys are wiping your boots of the snow. You're going to sit down. You're going to have a cold beverage. And you're going to enjoy the show, man. So make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. Thumbs up. Let's try for 1,000 likes minimum on today's OTS Smackdown and Rampage post show right here on Off the Script. Get your super chats in. We'll hang out at the end of the show. We'll go over them all. You guys can let me know what you think of this snowstorm, what you think of SmackDown tonight, what you think of the Rumble, what you think of the news I'm about to go over with you guys, what you thought of Rampage. Should be a good night, man. So get those Super Chats in. Make sure you guys go get your T-shirts, man. Bonfire.com. Make sure you go and check out the great line of stuff on Bonfire. 15% off this week only. By using code JDRUMBLE at checkout. It's Royal Rumble week, man. So I'm celebrating giving everybody who's interested in some merchandise 15% off. So go and check that out at bonfire.com. And make sure you guys go and check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Tons of it. OTS 406 and 407 went live this week on on Tuesday and Thursday. And go check out all the other live streams that you might have missed. Everything you need is right there for you. If you want more content, man, that is on the main channel page, the homepage. And I want to thank all you guys for all of your support all week long. We have absolutely knocked it out of the park this year. And I ain't stopping anytime soon, man. We are riding this momentum into WrestleMania season. Let's go with the, the the top of the news, man. We're going to do the news first because there is a lot coming out of the WWE right now going into tomorrow's Royal Rumble pay-per-view. And I mentioned it while I was in the car driving the Stang to the venue. Spoiler on a major, major, major name that is expected for the Women's Royal Rumble. Some of you guessed it in the chat. Some of you already know based on how I described This individual, a source in WWE. This is coming from WrestlingNews.co. This is a site that I frequent very, uh, very frequently in the week to get my news, man. They're a a very reliable source. A source in WWE has told WrestlingNews.co that Paige is cleared and she will be one of the surprise entrants in the women's Royal Rumble match Tomorrow night, Paige was one of the most popular women on the active WWE roster when she was there. But her in-ring career was cut short after a neck injury that occurred at the end of 2017. The last time she wrestled was on December 27th, 2017 in a six-woman tag team match in New York. Paige has been training for months to make her in-ring return, and she has stated publicly that her neck is feeling much better These days, WrestlingNews.co has not confirmed if her Rumble appearance is just a one-off or if she will be back full-time unless she signed a new contract. Her deal is due to expire in June. Now, WrestlingNews.co is also telling everybody that they've been told there's another person who was spotted in St. Louis and is being kept hidden from everybody but we have not been able to find out their identity as of yet. I don't know what that means. I don't know if that pertains to the women's or the men's match. 
Uh, this one, actually, I found out about an hour ago. I believe this was making the news as we were uh, kind of ending our night with Rampage on the air. And then I seen earlier today that Kurt Angle is also in St. Louis, and he was photographed in the Talent Hotel and he may be in the Royal Rumble tomorrow night. I, I don't know why. I mean, I, I do think that someone like that who has a storied career does not need to come back and further embarrass himself. Kurt Angle being in there is not going to really do much of anything. He'll make a one-off appearance. He'll be in there for a couple of minutes and then get eliminated. And that's the end of that. I don't really, I don't really care for returns like that. Th- those returns and those... Those numbers being given to someone like that is a waste of time to me. The page thing is actually quite surprising. I I always had a feeling in my gut that she'd be cleared. I didn't think it was going to be this soon. Now, her being in the Royal Rumble, that's genuinely exciting to me. How she is going to fare in the Royal Rumble remains to be seen. What type of training she's done and to what extent has her training done and how far has she gone with the training? How, how rigorous the training has been? That remains to be seen. You know, WWE clearly has always wanted Paige back. WWE has bent over backwards for Paige in the past. You guys know her salty past with uh, what she did with um, Alberto Del Retard over there. And all the shit that she got mixed in with him. And then WWE was getting rid of everybody's Twitch accounts and OnlyFans accounts and Patreon accounts and Cameo accounts. Paige said, no, fuck you. I'm not getting rid of my Twitch account. You guys can fucking fire me. I'm not getting rid of my Twitch account. So it's going to be very interesting if Paige is really going to do a one-off or if she's going to be back full-time. And if she's back full-time, what does that mean for her Twitch career? Because I know, know Twitch recently had a data breach and... Figures, monetary figures were released. Paige is making a boatload of money. She's making three hundred to four hundred thousand dollars per year on on Twitch. That's ridiculous. That is absolutely insane. And that's all from paid subscribers, followers, bits, donations, you name it. So if she's coming back to WWE, it's going to be a very interesting situation if WWE is going to allow her, because she was very adamant about that, to keep her Twitch page. And WWE can't let her do it and then tell everybody else no. It's a conflict of interest there. But this is exciting to me. And it's going to be interesting to see if she is back full time. I honestly, I honestly really liked Paige back in the day. She was one of those, she was one of those women that got called up from NXT that was very different from what we knew. You know, we were coming right out of the Divas era, and Paige was that anti-diva, and I think we were all ready for that. And she played that role perfectly. And I really enjoyed her shtick. I enjoyed her her act. And she wasn't really all that bad in the ring. She was incredibly over. And I always had a feeling she was going to be back, man. If she is back full-time, and I mentioned that a couple of times, if she's back full-time, I think it's going to be more along the lines of how we see Edge. I don't think she'll be wrestling every week. I don't think she needs to wrestle every week. I think Paige will have that Edge contract and Edge schedule 
where she only wrestles on the major shows. And that's what she should do. I honestly think for the sake of her neck and for the sake of keeping her special, there's nobody on that women's roster right now in that women's division that is really kept special. Charlotte Flair is not special. No matter how many times the fucking social media geeks want to tell me she's the greatest of all time. Charlotte is not special. Becky is not special anymore. Bianca Belair, you know, she has lost a little of her attraction and luster. Sasha Banks. I think Sasha Banks is away more than she's actually on the show, so I don't even factor Sasha Banks into being in that same category. Bailey, man, I'm ready for Bailey to come back more than ever before. But there's nobody on the women's roster right now that is really an attraction. And I honestly think if Paige is going to be back, the edge way, the edge schedule is the best way to go about it. So I'm excited for that. That's the type of return I want to see. Somebody that is going to be there, somebody that has worked her ass off to get back, and someone that could honestly make the division important again. I really hope that they know what they're doing here. And I hope that she's ready. I really do. I want to see her succeed at this. I don't want to see her get injured again. I hope she has a great Royal Rumble. And WWE has always wanted this return to happen here. There was a moment where we didn't know if she was ever going to come back. She's always made hints about wanting to wrestle. Always. We didn't know if it was going to happen with WWE or if they were going to let the contract expire because she was so adamant about her Twitch channel. And then maybe we would see her end up in AEW. Because I know Tony Khan would absolutely offer her a contract if the medical records were positive and she was able to go and she was cleared via their medical staff. So this is a return that I'm very excited about. I can't wait to see what she does in the Women's Royal Rumble. Another female superstar is in St. Louis, and she's been spotted in St. Louis for the Royal Rumble, according to PW Insider, and that is Caitlyn. If you guys remember Caitlyn, Celeste Bonin is going to be in the Royal Rumble. Per the report, it is said by one source that she's expected to be in the Women's Royal Rumble match, but that has not been 100% confirmed. It's possible that WWE is just bringing her into film content for one of the projects, one of the many projects that they probably have going on right now or one of the many projects that they have in the works. WWE plans to film content for Table for Three that is set to return to Peacock. Uh, I love that show. I thought that was one of the better shows that they did, so that's pretty interesting that that series is coming back. And if you guys don't know Caitlin, she was a former Divas champion, signed with the company in 2010, was featured on the reality series uh, version of NXT, which I won't mention here because that was completely horrendous. She was later called up to the main roster in 2012 and departed in 2014. She last competed for the WWE during the 2018 May Young Classic, and her last match came in 2019. From what I remember, she actually wanted to get back in there and kind of prove everybody wrong. She did not look bad in the May Young Classic. If Triple H put her in the May Young Classic back in 2018 then she probably was a lot better than we remember her being back in 2014. I don't think Triple H would make that decision to put her in there because he was putting all his NXT darlings and all his NXT women in that tournament. Women that he wanted to sign, women that he was going to be actively scouting to bring to NXT and Full Sail University. So I remember her not faring all that bad in that tournament. 
So this is another one, man. You know, I'm not for these big returns like Molly Holly and Summer Ray and fucking Kelly Kelly and God forbid Alicia Fox and Eva Marie and all these other fucking comebacks that meaning uh, that that don't mean anything. They're worthless to me. I, I look at the field of the Women's Royal Rumble and I hate that I, I hate that it's half divas, half older era, and then half newer era. I don't really, I don't really find any enjoyment in that. I, I want WWE to really be focused on creating new stars. If it was up to me, if it was in my hands to make a decision, you'd see Raquel Gonzalez in there. You'd see Io Shirai in there. You'd see Cora Jade in there. You'd see Mandy Rose in the Royal Rumble with Gigi Dolan and J.C. Jane, Indy Hartwell. You'd see women like that. Those women have been on NXT television for many, 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 many months. So why are we not getting those women getting the spotlight, getting those names out there, having the fans become a little bit more familiar with those names? No, WWE wants to go bring back a fucking Summer Rae. WWE wants to go bring back a Michelle McCool. It's not, it's not special anymore. They always go to the well. The well is eventually going to run dry. At some point, you're going to have to really sit down and say, yep, we got to push the younger stars, the newer stars. Plus, it makes it a little bit more entertaining with the newer stars in there because at any given point, you could shock somebody with a shock elimination. You could make an Iron Woman out of a Cora Jade or, or a Raquel Gonzalez or an Io Shirai. Nobody wants to see Kelly Kelly in the fucking Royal Rumble. The way I look at it, this Royal Rumble women's field is the worst Royal Rumble I've ever laid my eyes on. I'm barely excited about anything coming out of the women's Royal Rumble. And the fact that Ronda Rousey was announced for the for uh, a possible return. We don't know if she's going to be there or not. All we know right now, the going rumor is that her makeup person is going to be in St. Louis for the Royal Rumble. And she's going to be on Raw. Or he's going to be on Raw. Whoever this makeup person is. So if, if Ronda Rousey's makeup team is there then more than likely she's going to be on the show. In what capacity she will be on the show, I don't know. But WWE wants Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. This may be the only year to do that. I don't know if it's going to happen next year or the year after that. We don't know how long Ronda Rousey is signed to the WWE. And Becky's the champion now. Maybe we don't need the championship on the line. Maybe they revisit it next year in Los Angeles at WrestleMania. I just don't think putting Ronda Rousey in the Royal Rumble and having her win the Royal Rumble is beneficial to anybody if she's going to WrestleMania. Is she going to win the title from Becky Lynch? I've raised these questions already on the show. What happens if she wins the championship from Becky Lynch? You squandered putting over somebody youthful and somebody new over Becky Lynch. So we've built all this shit up to tease us with the Bianca, to tease us with the Liv Morgan, to put the title on Ronda Rousey. Because those women aren't Ronda Rousey and those women don't have the name value of Ronda Rousey. And if WWE is teasing Ronda Rousey in the Royal Rumble, why would she ever go into the Royal Rumble and not win the fucking thing? It's almost as if they kind of ruined the surprise. Or the dirt sheets ruined the surprise. If Ronda's going to be in the Royal Rumble, there's no fucking way she's not winning the Royal Rumble. Who in there is going to eliminate her? The only person she has any dealings with is Becky Lynch. It's fucking stupid. It is ridiculous. So WWE is going with this women's Royal Rumble, half divas era and half new school. Leaders in there. Leaders are good 
potential winner. Sasha Banks was brought back tonight. She trolled everybody. Everybody was under the assumption that her ankle injury was going to keep her out a couple of weeks before WrestleMania. I'm glad that she's back. Sasha being in the Royal Rumble as a nice little cog to screw up the wheel right now in WWE. Sasha Banks could win the Royal Rumble. I wouldn't mind that at all. She's never won a Royal Rumble. So why not give Sasha Banks the Royal Rumble? So we'll see what happens there. Her being there makes it at least somewhat interesting. And she will be a part of the Final Four. No question. No question. So I'm not excited about the Women's Royal Rumble, but Paige, Caitlin being in there, I was always a fan of Caitlin. I thought what she did in the Mae Young Classic was semi-decent. And we'll see what happens with these two surprise entrants tomorrow night on Saturday night in the Royal Rumble. WWE is thinking about about bringing L.A. Knight to the main roster. This makes me smile from ear to ear, man. This was reported today, and this is coming from Dave Meltzer. L.A. Knight is now set for a main roster call-up after WrestleMania. Dave Meltzer reported in the latest Wrestling Observer Newsletter that WWE management is quote-unquote high on L.A. Knight. And as of a few weeks ago, he was slated for a main roster spot in the spring after WrestleMania. Due to the angle that they shot last week as a WWE.com exclusive with the Dirty Dogs, it was speculated that his main roster arrival may have been sped up, but that is not confirmed. As previously reported, Knight, as well as Roderick Strong, Io Shirai, Dakota Kai, Pete Dunne, and Tommaso Ciampa have all worked dark matches as of late for WWE. Strong, Io, and Dakota Kai were all backstage tonight during SmackDown, and they all worked dark matches before the show. Now, if you guys don't know LA Knight, if you guys don't watch NXT, which I wouldn't really blame you if you didn't, LA Knight, the former TNA wrestling superstar, he wrestled there as Eli Drake, he went to NWA after TNA, He went to WWE in 2021, and he was actually in WWE for a little stint in 2013, 2014, but then he went to Impact and found success over there, and then joined NWA, and now he's back. LA Knight's great. I I was very down on LA Knight coming into NXT because there was this weird transitional phase when You know, NXT was going up against AEW and they're bringing in LA Knight. LA Knight didn't really fit the mold of NXT. It was very similar to what Bobby Roode did when Bobby Roode came into NXT and Triple H made him into the best heel in the company, the entire company, when Bobby Roode was there as NXT champion. He was absolutely fucking phenomenal at what he did in NXT. And LA Knight, you know, I didn't really, you know, take to him at first. But when he started feuding with Cameron Grimes, I seen I seen L.A. Knight's charisma uh, a little bit more than when I saw him in the beginning of his run there. When he started feuding with Cameron Grimes, I started to appreciate him a little bit more. I like his I like his take on Stone Cold and his and his mannerisms, and he's obviously finding influence from Stone Cold and The Rock, and you know he he loves. Kind of just making it all about himself. He's got this this charisma that is very infectious. And I've always said, if you can't find money with LA Knight on the main roster, I don't know what the fuck you're doing in a pro wrestling company handling talent. 
LA Knight can be slotted into anything on the main roster. You want him to feud with Damian Priest for the United States title? He'll do it. You want him to feud with Shinsuke Nakamura for the IC title? He'll do it. You want to make him a semi-main event guy for a possible world championship? He will do it. And he's very good in the ring. He's 39 years old. He's not old. WWE can absolutely make money with LA Knight on the main roster. I think this is actually too late for him to be called up. He should have been called up about a year ago. LA and I should already be on the main roster. But I'm glad somebody there is finally coming to their senses. LA Knight will be on the main roster. And I honestly think he he would fit perfect on SmackDown. Pete Dunne would fit perfect on SmackDown. Tommaso Ciampa. I could see Ciampa on Raw, to be quite honest with you. I think Ciampa would have a great, if they want. I hope that they don't use these guys and bury them up there. But I'm not really holding my breath. They don't really deal with any NXT talent in the way that they should be dealt with. They always fucking treat them like shit. I could see Champa and Rollins, Champa and Edge, Champa and AJ Styles, Champa and Riddle. There's a lot of great matches for him over there. A lot of great matches for him over there. Pete Dunne, I could see him feuding with the Intercontinental Championship in his sights. I could see him feuding with Sheamus. I could see him feuding with Ricochet. SmackDown needs the roster help right now. They absolutely need the roster help right now. But I don't really have any faith in WWE using any of these NXT talent. EO, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez is getting called up after the women's Dusty Cup is finished. They delayed her call up. They were going to call her up a couple of months ago, but WWE waited because they don't have any women in NXT to get through the Dusty Cup. So they're waiting for that to end, and then they're going to call her up after WrestleMania. Very interesting situation, man. The landscape of WWE may change, but when the landscape changes, it really doesn't change because WWE doesn't embrace the new talent that they have on the main roster. They always book everybody to be the same. They always book everybody to feel the same. It's a really shitty feeling. And as a fan, it fucking sucks. These shows should be great every week. But WWE doesn't try. It's a very political situation. They won't push any of these people because they're all Triple H people. But WWE is in a dire situation right now where they need talent. They fired everybody, and now they're left with who they're left with. Triple H. Triple H talent. So let's let's see what happens. I, I hope for the best here. I'm not holding my breath, but I'm hoping for the best. This story is this story is absolutely laughable, man. It, it really, it really is laughable. WWE contacted Jeff Hardy. They contacted Jeff Hardy about making a return to the WWE, and they enticed the offer by telling Jeff Hardy that if he returned, they would put him in the Hall of Fame. During WrestleMania season. Now, Jeff Hardy is a Hall of Famer regardless. Whether he goes in this year or if he goes in fucking five years from now. Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy, as the Hardy Boys, will be in the WWE Hall of Fame. So there's no reason to speed it up. They're going to be in there anyway if somebody has a fucking brain. This is the most embarrassing, the most pathetic... And the most febile attempt by the E 
that I've ever fucking seen. This may be, in the last couple of years, this may be the biggest L that the E has ever took. I love it. I love stories like this because it really justifies everything I say about what they do and who they are. Also, I'm not saying this is it. Jeff Hardy wanted a drug test. He asked, well, you want me to come back? You want to give me the Hall of Fame? But I would like the results of my drug test because I know that the drug test I took is going to come back negative. I'm not saying this is or was the case. But it's looking more and more. And they can deny it. You can fucking deny it. You can fucking ream me on social media for all I give a shit. It's my fucking show. I can come up with talking points and topics. However I so choose. It does seem like Jeff Hardy may have walked out and wanted to get fired and got himself fired because he knew WWE would do what he did. Or he would... uh, Or WWE would think that he was intoxicated or under the influence of something. Kind of looking like Jeff Hardy wanted out and he made it up and he came up with a situation to get himself out of there because he knew the drug test was negative. He knew the drug test was negative. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's not wrong of me to come up with a talking point like that because I had faith in Jeff Hardy not being intoxicated or under the influence. But why did John Laurinaitis call Jeff Hardy? Why did John Laurinaitis call Jeff Hardy? You want to know why John Laurinaitis called Jeff Hardy? Because they knew they had fucked up. They knew they had fucked up. Jeff played the system. Jeff played uh, WWE and WWE management. They, quick to push the button. Let him go. Let's get rid of him. Let's get rid of him. He's a headache. He's, uh, he's gone. He's Falling back into the drug shit again. Let's get rid of him. We don't want to deal with him. He's a PR nightmare. Yada, yada, yada. Now they want him back. They fucked up. He don't want to be there. Now they want him back. Why is that? You didn't think when you fired him that SmackDown needed help? Of course SmackDown needed help. Now they're in a dire situation. They want Jeff Hardy back because they know SmackDown's roster is fucking garbage. It is the worst I've ever seen it. There's no, absolutely no depth on SmackDown. Why else does John Laurinaitis and WWE want Jeff Hardy back in WWE? You do realize that WWE will forever say AEW is not competition. But every action that they emit, everything that they do, tells you otherwise. The number one reason why John Laurinaitis and WWE want Jeff Hardy back in the uh want want Jeff Hardy back in the company is because they know he's going right to Tony Khan. They know he's going right to AEW. He will be teaming with the Hardy Boys and they know the Hardy Boys together still have the opportunity to draw big numbers, big crowds and still generate interest. But WWE didn't want that. They didn't want that. They didn't want to pair them back together. They didn't want them to be creative. And now Tony Khan is on the cusp of getting Jeff Hardy in AEW. When his 90 days is up in March, 
Jeff Hardy will be all elite. That's the reason they want Jeff Hardy back on SmackDown and in WWE. It is all a part of the AEW effect. Sounds like to me they are terrified of their tag team division. You know, you could build a tag team division, Bruce. You could build a tag team division on SmackDown and Raw. I've given you the ideas so that it may flourish. Merge the fucking divisions. You got some talented fucking teams. You can't call a division a division when you have three fucking teams on one show and three teams on the other. Tag team division, to me, does not, does not consist of singles matches between two teams feuding every fucking week. Champions having to do championship contenders matches so we can pretend the challengers are number one contender. No. You're worried that Jeff is going to go join Matt and the Hardy Boys are going to have one final farewell tour that's going to generate a huge amount of buzz. I know. I know. Too little, too late. You think Jeff Hardy wants to go back there to do what? Be a loser? To do what? Have you... Put him in a storyline where he's a drug addict, pissing in a fucking cup, giving urine samples, showing alcohol in his face, tempting him, bringing up his past and all the mistakes that he made. Give me a break. To do what? Be fucking puppy chow for Roman Reigns? Nobody wants that. That's not using somebody to the best of their ability. Jeff realizes that he doesn't have... Many years left. Now he wants to spend the remaining years of his career doing the thing that got him to where he is at this point in his career, and that is being with Matt. In a tag team division where you'll see the Hardy Boys versus FTR, the Hardy Boys versus the Young Bucks, the Hardy Boys versus Santana and Ortiz, the Hardy Boys versus Jurassic Express, the Hardy Boys versus... The House of Black, the Hardy Boys versus Private Party. You name it. You name it. There is so much to do. Tag team wrestling. That's what they want. They're going to the place where tag team wrestling is actually cared for. This may be one of the most pathetic things I've ever heard by WWE in a very long time. Laurinaitis called Hardy a few weeks back, including an offer to bring him back and get him in the Hall of Fame this year. Hardy said no. Jeff Hardy told them no. He's still under 90 day. March 9th is when he will be free of WWE, and AEW can make him an offer on March 9th. Sounds like to me Jeff Hardy played the fucking system. For everybody that said, anybody that says that is a heartless, fucking soulless, inconsiderate, inconsiderate cretin, Sounds like to me, Jeff Hardy played the fucking system. He knew he had a negative drug test coming back, and that's all he wanted. WWE pinned him on being a fucking junkie again, and he was embarrassed. He was embarrassed. He walked out. Good for him. Good for him. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. 
One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And finally, guys, the last piece of news here. WWE is slated to bring yet another terrible, 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 untalented cosplay pro wrestler back into the Royal Rumble. Oksana will be in the Royal Rumble. I don't know why. Oksana has not been in a WWE ring for almost eight years. And Oksana has been spotted in St. Louis for the Women's Royal Rumble. She's from Lithuania. She she signed a developmental deal in 2009, debuted for FCW, which was a developmental system for NXT, and or precursor to NXT. While in FCW, she won the FCW Divas Championship and the Queen of FCW Crown. She made her WWE Raw debut in 2011, in a Divas Halloween costume battle royal. And shortly after, she was moved to SmackDown where she won her first singles match by beating Natalia, who hasn't beaten Natalia. She was also involved in a storyline where she was revealed to be Caitlyn's mystery attacker who was acting on Eve Torres's order. She was released from her contract in June of 2014 after losing a match to Alicia Fox on SmackDown. Boo-hoo. Losing to Alicia Fox has to be a terrible feeling. Oksana joins the list of all the other divas ready for the Women's Royal Rumble. I know, Oksana. Who? Who's Oksana? Don't worry about it. None of your concern. Do not worry about who Oksana is. It's in the news, and when you see her in the Royal Rumble, you'll see how terrible she really is and what I've been saying. It's laughable. It is absolutely laughable. So we will... Be live talking about all this chaos tomorrow night. Royal Rumble live on Peacock. I will be live on YouTube talking about all the happenings coming out of St. Louis for the Women's Royal Rumble and the Men's Royal Rumble and everything else happening at the Royal Rumble tomorrow night. SmackDown. SmackDown was uh, not good. Not good. A lot of tag team matches, a lot of fluff, nothing really exciting on this show. Charlotte was the first thing that we saw on SmackDown tonight. God help our souls. Charlotte's in the ring and she's talking about football because everybody's got to mention the most popular sports teams in the city that they're in to get a cheap pop. So she's talking about Patrick Mahomes and the Chief and something that they will never do. The Chiefs. Bring a championship to Kansas City. She said there is nothing more unpredictable than a Royal Rumble match. She said they are impossible to prepare for because there are surprise returns, betrayals, and that is her favorite, betrayals. 
She said wrestlers come at each other from every direction, doing whatever it takes to throw each other over the top rope. And then she went on to say that she didn't have to enter the Rumble match because she could have cruised all the way till WrestleMania, but that's not the kind of champion that she is. Out comes Shayna Baszler. Out comes Shayna Baszler, and WWE has once again butchered somebody's theme for the sake of butchering somebody's theme. WWE changed Shayna Baszler's CFO money theme to something that could easily be generic wrestler number 91 in WWE 2K22. The theme music that Shayna Baszler came out to was fucking terrible. It sounds so lame and generic. And one of my questions would be, if I ever got a hold of somebody, I want to know what the reason is behind all of these changing of the theme musics. Everybody's like, oh, it's a CFO money copyright thing. Really? Because Bianca Belair still has her CFO money theme. Matt Riddle still has his CFO money theme. Io Shirai still has her CFO money theme on NXT. Everybody has, everybody that's from that generation, Shinsuke Nakamura has his NXT CFO money theme. They even wrote him new theme music when he was a heel and then he turned back to babyface. They went back to the CFO money theme. Why? Why do people have their themes changed? Now, according to sources, it's a copyright thing. I don't buy that. I don't buy that. Keith Lee is the most damning of situations. When he was called up to the main roster and lost to Cross at TakeOver, the night after he made his Raw debut, he showed up at TakeOver using his CFO Money Limitless theme, which was the best theme that he had. It was great. He sang over it. He got called up to the main roster that changed his theme. So if it was a CFO money thing, why didn't they change it at TakeOver? Why did they have to change it the night of his debut on Monday Night Raw? Which was one of the many reasons why he got fucked up initially in his first appearance. I don't think it's a trademark or a copyright issue. I don't. I honestly think it's WWE just wanting to change things for the sake of changing things. And I don't want to harp on this too long. But Def Rebel... They are fucking garbage. All of these theme musics, there's maybe one or two that stand out from Death Rebel. Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. That's it. Or Bobby Lashley stands out too. Bobby Lashley's theme music stands out. But outside of those three, there is not one song that really is identifiable. How are they writing for these people is what I want to know. How do they write for somebody like Shayna Baszler? What is their influence? It sounds nothing like her original, and it sounds as generic as you could fucking possibly make a song. How am I going to identify Shayna Baszler with this terrible theme music? And that's the problem. When somebody hears these theme musics, I can't tell the difference between Shayna Baszler's theme music and fucking Aaliyah's theme music. I can't tell the difference between Shayna Baszler's theme music and Dana Brooks' theme music. There's nothing identifiable and unique to the performer about these theme musics. 
Roman Reigns theme music sticks out. Seth Rollins theme music sticks out. Bobby Lashley's theme music sticks out. Karrion Cross's theme music before he got released stuck out. That was a Def Rebel jam. Damian Priest, his old theme music was a Def Rebel theme music. They changed it again. Even his is somewhat identifiable. But man, oh man, theme music is such an important aspect of a pro wrestler. Imagine, imagine watching the Royal Rumble tomorrow night and you hear these theme musics. You don't know who's coming out. It could be anybody. And that's the most exciting part of the Royal Rumble, man. The buzzer goes off. You hear somebody's theme music and you hear Alter Bridge fucking Metalingus hit the PA system. You know immediately from the opening chord that you know Edge is coming out. You know Matt Riddle's coming out when his theme music hits. You know Randy Orton's theme music is great. You know when he's coming out when that theme music hits. It's sad. Johnny Gargano's theme music. Somebody mentioned his theme music in the chat. Great. He had great theme music. The theme music sucks so bad in WWE, man. That's why I appreciate Mikey Ruckus from AEW so much, man. He just gets it. Everybody on AEW television, their theme music fits the vibe of who they are and the character that they're playing. When a note is struck, immediately you know who's coming out. It's awful. WWE has lost track of one of the most important aspects about who a pro wrestler is. Awful. She interrupted. And she is going back and forth with Charlotte Flair, not interested in this at all. She said, if it comes down to the two of them again, she won't hesitate to snap her like a twig, limb by limb. She said, after she throws her over the top rope, she won't any time declaring her a champion to face at WrestleMania. She said, all Charlotte will have to worry about is healing her injuries. Aaliyah then interrupted, and she was wearing a new Aaliyah 317 t-shirt. This is in reference to her beating Natalia in three minutes, uh, three seconds, 3.17 seconds. So Charlotte told her that she doesn't stand the chance. Who are you? Your chances of winning the Royal Rumble are absolutely zero. Aaliyah bragged about beating Natalia, yada, yada, yada. And... She told Aaliyah there are a lot of things she'd call her rude, clueless, delusional, lucky, but optimistic isn't one of them. She said Aaliyah can brag all she wants about beating her, but she is a three-time Guinness World Record holder. This is Natalia telling this to Aaliyah because she made her way out to the ring. Shotzi Blackheart made her way out to the ring. She says, holy hell, there's more. Or that was Pat McAfee, rather. She said... The ring is a preview of tomorrow night with all those egos ready to descend into chaos. She said it's perfect opportunities for someone like her to sneak in and seize the spotlight. And then she laughed in a very cartoonish and very cheesy way. Charlotte said she had enough and none of them will have a chance to win the Royal Rumble. Speaking of which, she was then interrupted by Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks interrupts Charlotte Flair. It's boss time. Michael Cole had that ready in his back pocket. And fans were chanting for Sasha. She was clearly over as a babyface. Charlotte was about to say something to Sasha. Sasha slapped her 
Shayna and Shotzi began to fight. Aaliyah and Natalia went at it. Sasha walked from the ring apron. Baszler charged at Aaliyah. She ducked and kicked Baszler out of the ring. Charlotte then gave Aaliyah a big boot. She saved she saved um, the best for last because it was Charlotte and Sasha in the middle of the ring here, and they wanted to go at it. Sasha entered and stood in front of Charlotte. Charlotte turned and kicked at Sasha, but Sasha caught her with a boot and kicked her in the midsection and threw her over the top rope, and that was the way the segment ended. Now, I don't really get why WWE brought Sasha Banks back here. I don't get why they brought Sasha Banks back. Did we we need Sasha Banks on this show? Did we actually need Sasha Banks on this show tonight? I don't know why we needed her here in the building in Kansas City. I would have absolutely saved Sasha Banks as a surprise entrant for the Women's Royal Rumble. Clearly she's back, and clearly she's back because she's going to be in the Royal Rumble. I don't know why they gave away Sasha Banks coming back a day early. It's like they wanted to bust their load and kind of ruin the whole fucking moment. I don't understand decisions like that. Who makes a decision like that and says that's the best decision possible? It's a terrible fucking decision. Where's the element of surprise? Nobody gives a fuck about SmackDown. We're all waiting for the Royal Rumble. I think everybody would have been so thrilled to see Sasha Banks come back first in the Royal Rumble match and have a great night and a great showing. Segments like this accomplish nothing. It accomplishes nothing. Charlotte's out there speaking a bunch of nonsense that nobody gives a flying fuck about. Then she's interrupted by Shayna. Nobody cares. Then Shayna and Charlotte are interrupted by Aaliyah. Nobody cares. Then they're interrupted by Natalia. Everybody's falling asleep. And then everybody is interrupted by Shotzi. And Shotzi hasn't been on the fucking show in weeks. I doubt anybody even remembers that she's there. Segments like this accomplish nothing. All WWE does this for is to tease the chaos that the Royal Rumble will be on Saturday. Everybody knows exactly how the Royal Rumble works. Nobody wants to see you hype up the Royal Rumble with all these women interrupting each other in the most corniest, cheesiest of ways, teasing, throwing everybody over the top rope and talking about what you're going to do in the Royal Rumble. I don't care. Nobody cares. I don't need to see the visual of somebody being dumped over the top rope. All for what? For Sasha Banks to blow her fucking surprise early? A day early? Formulaic, lame, and typical WWE the way this segment came up. I would have absolutely given more time to Rollins and Reigns in the main event segment, but we needed to waste 13 fucking minutes on this garbage to open the show. Typical WWE, man, they will never change. Never. Segments like this are horrendous. They just come off terrible. Somebody's in the ring, somebody's theme music. Somebody's in the ring, theme music. Somebody's in the ring, theme music. Interruption, interruption, interruption. Megan Morant was backstage. She interviewed Ridge Holland, who's back. Sheamus was there as well. Holland said... He can still hear his nose crunching. So it's his turn to return the favor and crush Ricochet like the parasite that he is. Sheamus said Holland talks and fights just like him. He said he's going to become a two-time Royal Rumble winner 
tomorrow night. And Holland will celebrate with him when he gets the job done. This was a rematch from the day one pay-per-view pre-show. Ricochet and Cesaro versus Sheamus and Ridge Holland. This was not bad. This went about 10 minutes. I'm thinking maybe Cesaro and Ricochet get their win back here because Ridge Holland got his nose broken at day one and Sheamus was realistically in a two-on-one handicap match at the pay-per-view pre-show and he won all by himself over Cesaro and Ricochet. I figured maybe WWE would give us Ricochet and Cesaro getting their win back over Sheamus and Rich Holland. But that was not the case. So Ricochet was being beaten down. He made the hot tag to Cesaro. Cesaro came back and got the hot tag. They were making a babyface comeback, shoving him out of the ring, shoving Sheamus out of the ring. Cesaro charged at Sheamus with a running European uppercut into the ringside barricade. He threw him back into the ring and landed a crossbody. Sheamus rolled through and stood. It looked a little off. Sheamus then small packaged Cesaro for a near fall, which was then broken up by Rich Holland. Ricochet ran in uh, to kind of take care of Rich Holland, but Sheamus caught him with a knee. Ricochet rolled out of the ring after a big-time bump. Cesaro slammed Sheamus down to the mat, got a near fall two count. Sheamus avoided a neutralizer, then set up Cesaro, uh, the Cesaro swing. Holland had blind tagged in, so Cesaro did not see it. He headbutted Cesaro and then power slammed him down. One, two, three, and we got the heels, Sheamus and Ridge Holland getting the victory in about 10 minutes or so. I mean, it was fine for what it was, but it is another rematch. This is just yet another rematch, another dose of uncreativity for WWE on SmackDown. They are forced to give us these types of matches, forced to give us rematches because the roster depth is so fucking... It is so light. It's terrible. I don't, I don't really understand why they do nothing to change and fix the problems. Like, what are you waiting for to call people up? What are you waiting for? This has been like this for months now. Nobody wants to see the same fucking matches over again. That's why this show, I don't believe I'm going to say this, but I actually prefer Monday Night Raw over SmackDown. I think SmackDown is the worst show that WWE puts on every week. And that's because of the roster depth. I take NXT over SmackDown. It's unbelievable how this show has just fucking flopped. It died after the draft. We go to a Royal Rumble by the numbers vignette. I usually like these. These are very well done. I'm sure we'll see it a thousand fucking times during the pre-show tomorrow night. Naomi. Naomi one-on-one with Sonya Deville. Naomi made her entrance. And then they show Sonya Deville in the back. She is telling the referee that is assigned to this match that he works for her. He told her that he has to call the match down the middle. Sonya was upset that the referee did not really listen to his orders or listen to her orders. And uh, she was uh, getting ready to go out to the ringside area and have her match with Naomi. Sonya versus Naomi, man, this was excellent. 
I really enjoyed this. It started off slow, and then it really picked up. Naomi has really impressed me as of late, man. Naomi's been put in these situations where WWE put her in the ring with Charlotte. They put her in the ring with Charlotte uh, in a championship and a non-title situation. And she's been feuding with Sonya Deville. The only problem I have with Naomi and this Sony Deville storyline is I don't know what they're feuding over. What exactly is the basis of this feud? Like, what are they feuding over? What is Sonya's problem with Naomi? Did, did, did WWE document that, or did WWE go out there and tell the audience what exactly the reason for this storyline is? Can anyone come up with the reason why Sony Deville is so upset with Naomi? I can't figure it out. Am I supposed to come to my own conclusions? But Naomi has looked a lot better, man. She looked a little rough. You know, it looked like when Naomi was brought back to television, they didn't know what to do with her. We started this feud with Sonya Deville. They put her in the ring a couple of times. She didn't really look good. She had matches against Shayna Baszler and Natalia and all that stuff, and she didn't really look good. It, lo- it almost looked like she was rusty. And now she's just kind of hitting her stride, man. I even, I even advocated for Naomi to win the Royal Rumble. If Naomi won the Royal Rumble tomorrow night, I would not be at all against that. I think that would be great. I really think that would be great. Sonya Deville, man, this is the first time she's been in a ring wrestling. It's got to be a year and a half, two years. Somewhere close to that. Sonya Deville has a new look. She's got uh, new ring attire. She was wearing this black leather slash latex outfit. She looked really good. Like I said, the match started off slow. It picked up. And I was very impressed with what these two ladies did here tonight, man. I really was impressed. I even went out on Twitter and said that as far as all the women's matches on SmackDown that I've seen and all the women's matches I've seen on Raw, I would probably say this was one of my more favorite matches in recent memory from the matches that we've been given on WWE TV this year in the women's division. I honestly think these two women had a better showing than anything Becky and Charlotte has done in the last six to eight weeks. Honestly. This was a better match than any of the women's championship matches that we've seen from Becky and Charlotte on television in the last six to eight weeks. Now you can only imagine if the championship was on the line for these two women. I think it would be one hell of a feud. I just want to know what the fuck they're feuding over and why they are so angry at each other. What, what is the reason for them feuding? Now I know Sony Deville has kind of screwed over Naomi with, you know, reaching for that power grab and abusing her power, but why? The most important question in a storyline is why. Why do you hate this woman so much? Why do you have such a vendetta against Naomi? I don't think they've really answered that question. I'd love for them to. Just like how I'd love Bruce Pritchard to tell me why Rick Boogs is teaming with Shinsuke Nakamura and what their partnership is. One week we just see it, And nothing is explained. Nothing was explained. Not by Boogs, not by Nakamura, and not by the commentary team. Why are they a a, a pairing? Why are they a team? I'd like to know why. So, DeVille, she was in the ring, and she was stalling. She was taking her time, and... Then tackled Naomi down to the mat. She did some MMA ground and pound. Naomi took over, landed a drop kick. DeVille rolled to the ringside area. Naomi tossed her around ringside a bit. 
threw her back into the ring. DeVille rolled out. She was playing mind games with Naomi. Naomi went for a basement dropkick or a wrecking ball dropkick through the ropes, but DeVille grabbed her and slammed her off the ring apron onto the floor with a reverse DDT. Looked brutal. So Naomi was in control, and DeVille made a comeback here. And, well, actually, DeVille was in control. I'm sorry. DeVille was in control. Naomi started to make a comeback. Bulldog. Bulldog into the middle turnbuckle here. That was reversed by Sonya Deville. Naomi goes flying into the turnbuckle. She then landed a uh, crossbody off the top rope. And then uh, Sonya came back with a inverted suplex here. Sonya made the cover. The announcers were very confused as to what Sonya Deville did in the ring, man. She did this suplex. It was a vertical suplex into an implant DDT. It was into an implant reverse DDT. I don't know what the fuck she called it. It came out of nowhere. I don't know what it was, but it was nicely executed. I'll give her that. So Naomi came back with a full Nelson sit-out slam. Sonya tried to crawl out of the ring, but Naomi pulled her back in. DeVille raked Naomi's eyes. The referee wasn't looking at this point and then rolled up Naomi with a handful of tights for a close near fall. Naomi landed a rear view. Then she followed with a split-legged moonsault, and that was it for the one, two, three. That was enough to get the pin over Sonya Deville. Crowd was very much behind Naomi, and after the match was over, Naomi was celebrating. She took the microphone and started yelling, we did it, we did it. She said Sonya threw everything at her, but it wasn't enough to stop the glow. Sonya was standing in the entranceway. She was very angry, making angry faces. Naomi declared she's winning the Royal Rumble match Tomorrow, she told Sonia not to slip on her tears on the way to the Royal Rumble. So Sonia walked to the back, and then she came out again, and Sonia said, I have a surprise for you in the Royal Rumble. I am adding myself as a special guest entrant into the Royal Rumble tomorrow night. Sonia Deville will be one of the remaining participants in the Women's Royal Rumble match. Now, I don't know what that is going to mean for Naomi. Uh, I said before, and I said this a couple of weeks back, Naomi being in the final four would be a great deal. Sonya Deville and Naomi in the Women's Royal Rumble, if it came down to those two men, I'd love to see it. I really would, with Naomi going over. That's what I really said. That's what I should have really... You know, that, that's what I really wanted. I wanted Naomi to be in the Royal Rumble with Sonya. That's where I wanted them to meet for the first time. I wouldn't have given this match away tonight. I would have not given this match away on SmackDown. I would have had Naomi get the one up on Sonya Deville by eliminating her in the Royal Rumble. That's what I would have done. But WWE gave Naomi the win here which kind of doesn't really bode well for Naomi going into the Royal Rumble. I feel like they're going to screw Naomi over in some way in the Royal Rumble, have Sony eliminate Naomi. So we'll see what happens. But as far as Sony Deville goes, man, she, she did not show any real, real ring rust. And I hope that she's back on the active roster, man. She could add a lot of depth. She could add a lot of depth to that women's division. She should not be in a managerial role. She should not be a commissioner. She should not be making matches. She should not be abusing her power. 
WWE was operating under the, the fucking pretense of, uh, we don't have any general managers. We don't have anybody making rules or making the matches, right? They got Adam Pearce doing that. That's all we need. And even him, WWE wants to pretend he's not the commissioner of the fucking shows. He is. He's making the fucking matches. He's making the decisions, right? He's got the executive power to do so. We don't need Sony Deville to do that. That's not where her value is. Her value is in the women's division. And if she can do what she did tonight with Naomi, why aren't you utilizing her in the women's division in a time where there's so little depth? I don't get it. WWE really needs to fix that women's division. I think keeping Sonya away from it is a bad, bad move. Bad move. Kayla Braxton. She was in the ring and she did an interview with the Usos. She asked what they think of Seth's message uh, for Roman Reigns. Jimmy says he didn't care what Seth's message is. He walked uh, or in walked the Viking Raiders, both Eric and Ivar. Jimmy said... They're the team that throws axes and has feasts. The Raiders said they love a good feast, but most of all, they love their axes. So they held up these two axes, these two throwing axes. And Ivar says they're not just for throwing. Eric held his up and smiled at the Usos, uh, implying more nefarious things to do with these axes, which is uh, not a good sight or not a good uh, mindset for the Usos, man. Should be a good match. Should be a good match for the Usos and the Viking Raiders. Do we get this match to happen on the pre-show for the Royal Rumble, or do they save it for SmackDown? And the only reason why this match is taking place is because WWE has run the well absolutely dry of the Usos and New Day matches. They can't do that anymore. We've seen it how many times before? And the only other babyface team on this show is Boogs and Nakamura, and Nakamura is still the Intercontinental Champion. They're not even a real team when I say the only other babyface team. They're not even a real fucking tag team. The only tag teams that you have on this show are the New Day, the Usos, the Viking Raiders, and Los Lotharios. That's it. Four teams. Four teams does not make a division. And Los Lotharios, they're not even being pushed the way that WWE should really be building up a new tag team like... Angel Garza, and Humberto Carrillo. They haven't done anything. WWE paired these two guys together because they're both Latinos. That's it. Just like everybody else that they've ever paired up in the past. They pair the Australians with the Australians. They pair the Japanese with the Japanese. They pair fucking, uh, they want to pair Riddle and Orton together and call them uh, a tag team. They're not. They're not. WWE doesn't have a fucking clue on what to do with tag team wrestling. Not one single fucking clue. And it sucks. It, it really it really grinds my gears. The only reason why this tag team match is happening with the Viking Raiders and the Usos is because WWE doesn't have any other babyface teams on SmackDown. They are with their backs against the wall. It's either push the Viking Raiders or have nobody for the Usos. What happens after this feud is over? First of all, my question is, how long is this feud going to happen? Is it going to be two months, three months, four months? How many singles matches are we going to get with the Usos and the Viking Raiders? Are we going to get Jay Uso versus Ivar? Are we going to get Jimmy Uso versus Eric? That's exactly what WWE is going to do. We may get this going all the way till WrestleMania because WWE doesn't have any other teams for the Usos. That's the biggest fucking concern. After this is over, 
Who's next? Los Lotharios? They have zero momentum and their heels. WWE needs to fix their tag team division ASAP. Better start concerning yourself with these problems now. Sami Zayn. Sami sat in the ring surrounded by his talk show. He's got his talk show in Zayn. Jinder Mahal and Shanky were his guests. Sammy said the stunts and pranks got a little out of hand the last couple of weeks. And this is all due to Johnny Knoxville. He almost ended up in the hospital because of Johnny Knoxville. He said Insane is now a live podcast. He had a table in the middle of the ring with two mics on it. He said they will be in tag team action soon against Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs, Jinder Mahal and Shanky. He said Nakamura still owes him an intercontinental title rematch. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Jinder began to speak. Sammy interrupted him and said this version of the show is so much better than what it used to be at the beginning. He said he never wants to hear the name Johnny Knoxville ever again. Jinder said tonight he'll embarrass Nakamura in their match. Sammy said he apologizes to Shanky and Shanky went on to say that he enjoyed some of Johnny Knoxville's pranks uh, like the bungee porta potty. So Shanky's a fan of Jackass. Sammy was quite shocked that Shanky was a fan of Johnny Knoxville. He told the fans to stop booing him. He made fun of them and said, I'm going to edit you guys out when I edit this. So Boogs interrupted the podcast playing electric guitar. He introduced Nakamura. Crowd is loving Boogs. And we got Shinsuke Nakamura, Rick Boogs, Jinder Mahal, and Shanky. This went two minutes Boogs and Nakamura win, not a lot to it, but uh, I guess it was to simply show off Rick Boogs. What they got Boogs wearing, he's got this powerlifting gear on now. They had him cut his hair. I don't know why. So they got Boogs out there, and this was pretty much a Boogs showcase. Seems like they're more high on Boogs than they are on Nakamura. And Nakamura just recently was cleared for his hand injury, so let's get that match with Sami Zayn and the Intercontinental Championship back to being defended on a semi-weekly basis. No more should the Intercontinental title be held in captivity because of bullshit. If WWE knew Nakamura was injured, why did you have him out for four months as the champion? The championship could have been a lot better on somebody else that was actually there and not hurt. It's fucking stupid. If Nakamura was going to be out for four months, you should have stripped him of the championship, and came up with a way to get the title on somebody else. The title is fucking dead. It's been dead for a very long time, and the last year has been horrendous for the Intercontinental Championship. Apollo Crews, Big E, Shinsuke Nakamura, these guys have done nothing with the championship, and that's because WWE doesn't know how to book babyfaces. They didn't believe in Apollo Crews, the one lone heel that held the championship. He's a fucking loser on this show, too. WWE doesn't know what to do. And even if the title does go to Sammy, what good is it going to do? The title's not going to make Sammy better, and Sammy has a chance to make the title better, but I don't trust the writing team to really resuscitate that intercontinental title. What a joke. New Day. And Mad Cat Moss and Happy Corbin. Tag team match here. 
Went eight minutes. Again, nothing more to it. I don't care to see Mad Cat Moss and Happy Corbin. Moss and Corbin were in control. We go to commercial break. Biggie got a hot tag. He came back against Corbin. He landed his running splash. Tagged Kofi back in. Corbin came back with a chokeslam backbreaker. He tagged in Moss. He went to work on Kofi. Then threw him towards Corbin, who gave him a deep six for a near fall. Big E tripped Corbin running the ropes and threw him into the ringside steps on the outside. Big E and Kofi gave Madcap Moss the midnight hour double team finish for the win. Seems like Big E is more of a SmackDown guy than he is a Monday Night Raw guy. As WWE gave us the excuse of why Big E is on SmackDown when he is a Monday Night Raw superstar. Oh, it's Royal Rumble season. That's why Biggie, a Monday Night Raw superstar, is on SmackDown teaming with the New Day. Or is it because Xavier Woods is out and you need something for Kofi Kingston to do in the New Day? So let's bring over Biggie. Nobody will notice. But we all know the New Day is not really the New Day unless it's all three. I honestly think they should all be on the same brand. Biggie's title run and Biggie's solo run has been a complete letdown. So if you want to move Biggie over to SmackDown, I'm all for it. Just make sure you fill his spot on Monday Night Raw with one of these many talents that you're giving dark matches to on SmackDown. Champa, Roderick Strong, LA Knight, Pete Dunne. You could fill Monday Night Raw's spot if you want to move Big E back over to SmackDown. But I need to know a reason as to why he's there, not because it's Royal Rumble season. I wish WWE would better explain themselves in these types of situations. And the brand split. There you go. Just end the brand split. Don't know why we have two separate rosters. It would make everybody's life a lot easier. There was no main event match. There was a main event segment. Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns. Seth Rollins made his entrance. Roman Reigns was there. He asked Kansas City to acknowledge him. Seth said he will acknowledge the fact that last week he played him like a fiddle. He said since his cousins got DQ'd last week, their match will be the way it should be, and that is a one-on-one match. Reigns says it was an easy decision to either let him embarrass his family by pinning his bloodline or punch him in the mouth. He said same result, different math. I'm glad Reigns brought up the fucking ridiculous ending. Not really. It's not really a good explanation, but at least he acknowledged it. He said it was an easy decision to either let him embarrass his family by pinning his bloodline or punch him in the mouth. Same result, different math. Seth said Reigns has brought more shame into his family than anybody else. Roman said Seth is living in his past. It's 2022 and the tribal chief equals God mode now. Seth says he's not living in the past. He's living for tomorrow. So clearly Seth talked about their past in the shield but said Reigns has never defeated him when it matters most. He says it's not personal when he takes the title from him. He said he will always love him like a brother no matter what. He then laughed. Reigns looked a little irritated that Rollins was kind of disrespecting him. Seth asked if the cat's got Roman's tongue. You got something to say, but no words are coming out. Reigns then said he tried to forgive Seth Rollins, but he'll never forgive him for what? He did to the shield. He then said to Seth, I hate you. Seth was relishing in this, laughing. He said, oh yeah, 
I know you hate me. And he said, you'll hate me even more after tomorrow when I take the universal title. He said, he's a joke. His cousins, Jimmy and Jimmy and Jay are a joke. You're a joke. Your dad is a joke. And it all goes up in smoke tomorrow. So Reigns threw his title down. He was in a very angry way, shoving Seth Rollins. He then turned to leave out of anger. And he went to go land the Superman punch by surprise to catch Rollins off guard. Seth Rollins ducked the Superman punch and he rolled out of the ring. He rolled out of the ring. Michael Cole claimed that Seth Rollins claims to know all of Reigns' insecurities and he's in his head, but will it be enough to end Reigns' universal title reign? And that is the way SmackDown went off the air. You know, I said this on Twitter. I said this on Twitter, man. I think the match is going to be fine. The match is going to be great between Rollins and Reigns. But this has been built up right now. I'm not talking about the history between them. You can't just make a match based on the history between them. WWE thinks that's the cooler way to sell this match. Oh, we got Rollins and we got Reigns. And look at where they are at this point in their career, right? Two former members of the Shield, two former brothers. It's it's more catchy, right? It, it'll generate, uh, you know, that, that older fan base that misses the Shield and wants to live and die by the Shield. But that's not really the reason why they're feuding here. They're feuding because Roman got COVID. They're feuding because Brock Lesnar had to be given a championship match and they put him in the WWE championship match to make it a fatal five-way at day one where he won the WWE title. Seth Rollins won a, money, won a ladder match, a contracted ladder match, to be the number one contender for the WWE title many months ago, before day one, in the build to day one. He was never given his one-on-one match. It was supposed to be Rollins and Big E. Then Kevin Owens got added. Then Bobby Lashley got added. Then Brock Lesnar got added. Every single week, somebody was added to this fucking match. Rollins went from having a one-on-one match guaranteed to not getting his one-on-one match and being looked at by four other guys in the ring. That's why he's getting a championship match, but that wasn't really explained because it's not cool enough. It's not interesting enough via the writing team and Bruce Pritchard and Vince McMahon. This feud's been given four weeks. I know they're... Brothers, I know they were in the Shield. But Rollins is on Raw and Reigns is on SmackDown. There is still a brand split to respect. Rollins doesn't really deserve to beat Reigns. And they've really highlighted the fact that Rollins has Reigns' number. Please tell me that Reigns is going to win this match without telling me Reigns is going to win this match. That's what that means. Oh, I've got your number. I've beaten you every time. You, you've never beaten me. Great. When someone says that, more than likely they're going to lose. And you're not beating Reigns in this title run. Nobody should be beating Reigns until it's one guy that WWE can solidify as the next guy. Whether that's Braun Breaker, whether that's somebody else in NXT, or whether it's somebody that's not even on the fucking payroll. WWE should not... Waste our time. You've wasted our time for 500 days plus. 
Giving the title to Seth Rollins is a slap in our face. It's not the best route. It's not the best way to go about it. What does Seth Rollins accomplish by beating Roman Reigns? Nothing. Seth Rollins is an already made man. If Seth Rollins doesn't beat Roman Reigns tomorrow night at the Royal Rumble, he'll go back on Monday Night Raw and get a championship opportunity against whoever the champion is over there. Bobby Lashley. What does Rollins gain by beating Roman Reigns? Nothing. He is already a top guy. WWE has built nobody up in this Roman Reigns 500-day-plus reign. Nobody. He's eaten them all, swallowed them, and WWE's buried everybody that they've thrown in Roman Reigns' way. What good is Rollins beating Reigns? It accomplishes nothing. Plus, the X factor here that nobody's really talking about, if Roman Reigns loses the championship... He's going to wrestle Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania to only win another world championship. So why would you do that? Why would you do that? The time in between tomorrow night and WrestleMania with Roman Reigns not being a champion is fucking ridiculous. It's unnecessary. You've gone all this way. So now you need to go through February March and April when he beats Brock Lesnar to retain the Universal Championship. We're going to be looking at 600, 700 days as champion, whether you like it or not. I don't give a fuck if you think Roman Reigns is boring or you're getting bored of his title run or SmackDown is stale. Without Roman Reigns, SmackDown is dead. Without the bloodline and this title reign, SmackDown is done. So please cry to me some more about why you don't want Roman Reigns as the Universal Champion anymore. I don't want my fucking time wasted. I don't want WWE to go and do something completely unnecessary to stifle what they've already built up. It makes no sense if Lesnar and Reigns is the idea and Reigns is only going to beat Reigns. Uh, Reigns is only going to beat Lesnar at WrestleMania to win a championship because Lesnar's going goodbye after WrestleMania. We won't see him till SummerSlam. It makes no sense. 600, 700, 800 days. WWE's going to have to do something. Taking the title off of Roman Reigns is not the right idea. It's not a good booking decision at all. And I, and I'm not saying this because Rollins is a guy I don't enjoy. Rollins is doing the best work of his career. In and out of the ring. I like his character. I like his charisma. I like the fact that he's transformed himself into something that he is now comfortable with. He looks like a main event guy. I felt like what he was doing with uh, the, the whole Messiah thing was, was forced. It feels like he is finally found something, or he's finally found something that legitimately works for him. I've enjoyed this run immensely by Rollins, but that doesn't mean I'm going to give him the WWE Universal Championship. It makes no sense. It needs to make sense. Rollins is not going to win the title tomorrow night. That is my prediction. Roman Reigns is going to beat Seth Rollins, and he's going to beat him one-on-one, And Brock Lesnar is going to drop the title to Bobby Lashley 
and Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar somehow will meet at WrestleMania because Brock Lesnar more than likely will enter himself in the Royal Rumble. Something is going to happen in that Lesnar and Bobby Lashley match. It's not going to end clean. It's not going to end clean. I don't think Brock is going to lay down for Bobby Lashley. I don't think WWE wants Brock to lay down for Bobby Lashley. WWE also doesn't want Bobby Lashley to look weak either. This is a situation where we're getting the match. We're getting the match that we want. Lashley's getting his match. But WWE is going to have to book this in a very screwy way. To a point where it's going to get Lesnar so enraged that he's going to end up in the Royal Rumble because he got the title taken away from him and he's going to make everybody's life a living hell by going after the Royal Rumble and winning the Royal Rumble and going on to WrestleMania to challenge the guy he should have had at day one in Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. It doesn't make any sense. Rollins is not winning the title. Guys, we will be going over AEW Rampage in just a bit. I want to thank you guys for joining me on Friday night, man. It may be snowing wherever you guys are. Take it easy out there. 1900 in the venue, man. I appreciate you guys. Hit that thumbs up. Let's try for 1,000 likes on tonight's live stream. Minimum 1,000 likes on tonight's SmackDown and AEW Rampage post show. Get those Super Chats in. Continue to get them on in. We'll hang out at the end of the show and go over them all. Make sure you guys also hit that join button, man. Become a channel member right here on Off The Script. You guys get access to those emotes, custom emotes in the chat. And your OTS badges to show off your VIP status to everybody live. Also works in the comments section as well. Make sure you guys go and hit that join button and become a VIP right here on OTS. Also, make sure you guys go check out Wrestle Rumble. WrestleRumble.com. Make sure you guys get in on that Royal Rumble Pick'em tomorrow night. You got the chance to win $1,000 cash. First prize, second prize, and third prize is $100 each. And shout out to Cameron Mumford at IMCam8404 on Twitter. He was chosen tonight, and he won free pickums for life via WrestleRumble.com. Make sure you guys go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. And remember, I will be live for the Royal Rumble tomorrow night. Live on Off The Scripts right here from the OTS venue. Guys, I'm going to step away for about 30 seconds. Going to throw it to my graphics team, man. If you guys ever wondered what the process was to make the intro that you see to the podcast and the live stream every single week, every single night, my guys over at Deviate Designs do the best work in the business, man. Seriously, they do it right. So I'm going to throw it to those guys. And I'll be right back on Off the Script with your Rampage post-show. It is Beach Break Championship Friday right here on the podcast.
I love it. Deviate Designs, awesome, awesome work as always. And I'll be hitting them up in the new year, man. You're going to be seeing some new stuff on the podcast, man. It's going to surprise you. Got a ton of ideas. And we are going to continue to be the number one show in the entire community right here on Off The Script. AEW Rampage. AEW Rampage, man. We got uh, a decent show tonight, headlined by a tag team title match with Jurassic Express and Private Party. But first, we started off with John Moxley and Anthony Bowens. Caster's rap here was better than it has been in recent weeks. Moxley's wife hasn't called Caster back yet, but the network censors did, and they want Moxley to watch his mouth. Also, they're going to send Moxley back to the garbage indies. So the rap was very good, and Moxley obviously did not appreciate it. He knocked Caster right out of the ring. He went right after Bowens with a quick German suplex. Moxley took the fight to the floor, brawled with Bowens all over the arena. They fought on the floor for a decent amount of time here. Bowens sent Moxley's arm into the ring post, which kind of swung the tide of the match in Anthony Bowens' favor. Uh, Caster on the outside tripped up Moxley. Bowens hit a rolling forearm ripcord neckbreaker for a near fall. Bowens hit a swinging neckbreaker. We go to a commercial break. Bowens is still in control here. And he put Moxley on the top rope. And uh, Moxley backdropped Bowens onto Caster. He then took Caster out with a tope suicida. Bowens caught Moxley with a twisting, hanging DDT in the rope for a near fall. Moxley came back with a jumping pile driver. He then tried for a sunset flip, but Bowens countered with the... uh, Sunset flip, I think it was, in uh, in this favor. Moxley escaped. Bowens went for the boom box, but Aubrey Edwards took it away. And this allowed Caster to slip Bowens the chain. Moxley took Bowens down with a cutter. Moxley then took out Caster. He tried to run and interfere in this thing. Hit a big-time Larry on Bowens. And then finished off Bowens with a paradigm shift. Um, it did not look like a paradigm shift. Paradigm shift is a DDT. This more looked like a Death Rider from Moxley. One, two, three, and John Moxley wins yet another TV match for AEW. He is back, and he's gaining some momentum. He's getting hot. As we saw Dan, uh, Brian Danielson. We saw Brian in the back, and this was during the post-match after Moxley beat Bowens. Brian Danielson was shown watching the match in the back, and he was smiling. What he was smiling about, I don't know, man. I'm very curious to know what Brian is thinking while he's watching this John Moxley uh, comeback. So I'd love to know what exactly he's going to say as far as why he's been watching John Moxley. I don't have any. I don't have any iota of a clue why he's doing what he's doing. I, I like it. I like it. You know, Moxley knows. You know Moxley knows exactly what's going on. You know Moxley knows Brian is watching him, but why? It's a nice little cliffhanger there, man. Nice little lead-in to get you a little bit interested in what's going on before we fully kick this thing off, man. Really, really sarcastic smile. So it makes me feel good to know that he's potentially going to remain in the same role that he's been during this entire Adam Page title hunt. Brian, as a heel, is best for business. That's what I want. 
And I think a heel Brian Danielson against a babyface John Moxley is the best way to go. Andrade El Idolo and Jose found Darby Allen in a locker room. He was sitting by himself in a chair. And Jose had a contract. He had a contract. Uh, Andrade was looking around. He was looking for Stink. I laugh every single time. He's like, oh, the little boy. Uh, he, you, you work for Stink, he says. And Darby Allen's like, I, I, I don't work for Sting. I don't work for Sting. And then he's going on and on and on about how money is really not all that important to him. He's been living out of his car for many, many years. He lived under a bridge. Money is not really important to him. He doesn't find money to be important to him like Andrade, who buys gold chains and fancy sunglasses and fancy suits, Rolexes, right? So Jose gave him a contract to sign. Allen is not interested. He pulls out a bat that was behind his chair, and Andrade and Jose leave to rethink about what is going on here. Andrade says, all right, all right, I want to go find your boss, meaning stink. So it looks like we're heading towards an Andrade and Darby Allen feud, possibly, possibly for Revolution, which, again, take my money, man. That was actually very, very good. FTR. Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson. This was a match that was supposed to take place last week, but did not because of medical protocol, a.k.a. COVID. This was a very good match, man. I thought this was a very good match. I could actually see Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson being a semi-regular team if they want to go in that direction. I really do think that these guys worked well together, and there was some great work here by Brock and Lee Johnson's getting better every time I see him. FTR, one of the best tag teams on the planet. So you know they're going to be bringing the heat every time they're in there. Lee Johnson got a tag, hit a uh, a pescada on Cash Wheeler. Then he got backdropped over the top rope by Arn Anderson onto Dax Harwood, did Cash. Johnson got a near fall off of a big crossbody. And we go to commercial break. Johnson, he's still in control, hits a hangman's neck breaker on Harwood. Got the tag to Brock. Closed line, both members of FTR, so they were pretty in control, man. They got a decent amount of offense in this thing. Anderson hit a doctor bomb on Wheeler and went for the DDT. Harwood countered. Anderson catapulted Johnson into uh, a move from uh, his tag team partner and then hit a DDT on Wheeler. And Johnson hit a big frog splash for a near fall. On the floor, Brock got into it with Tully. And Arn Anderson came up from behind Tully and punched him in the mouth dropping Tully Blanchard back in the ring. Johnson got caught uh, in FTR's corner, and they hit him with a spike pile driver, which was good enough for the win. There was one scary moment in this match, though, where Lee Johnson dove over the top rope onto both guys, and his tailbone hit the fucking concrete, man. I hope he's all right. I really hope he's all right after that. That looked brutal. He landed flush right on the mat. It all ended with the spike pile driver by FTR. One, two, three. And we got a nice little victory here for FTR. Very good showing by Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson. Very good stuff. So it looks like the the one-week layoff was worth the wait for this tag team match 
And I'm looking forward to seeing what uh, FTR moves on to next. And I'm looking forward to seeing more of what Tony Khan has in store for Brock Anderson and Lee Johnson. Mercedes Martinez and Thunder Rosa, we finally got a video package for these two women. They will be going at it next Friday on Rampage. Finally, one-on-one, Rosa and uh, Mercedes Martinez should be an excellent match. And we will see it next Friday. We got a video package hyping up Serena Deeb. So they're continuing to push Deeb as a killer in the women's division. Jade Cargill defeated Julia Hart in two minutes for the TBS championship. She retained the TBS championship. And a lot of people are wondering, well, why is it the TBS championship when it's defended on TNT? (laughs) Why don't they just keep it on TBS? (laughs) Listen, they're both Warner Networks. What difference does it fucking make? Why does the title have to be stuck on one brand when they're both Warner Networks? This is like the brand split in WWE. Why? Everybody should be free to move around whatever show they want. There should be no brand split. Why are we going to keep the title delegated to one brand? I don't like that. If Jade wants to defend the TBS title on TNT, let her do so. If Sammy wants to defend the TNT title on TBS... Let them do so. Two minutes. Julia still had the patch, the eye patch on her eye. And Jade, they're making a big deal about this, man. You know that they're making a big deal about this because every time we see the big graphic on the screen, 25-0, and 0, we saw last week when she beat Anna Jay. Now, tonight, she beat Julia Hart, 26-0. and 0. They're really hyping this up, man. I don't know how long they're going to take this. I don't know how long they're going to take this with Jade Cargill. They may go the Goldberg route. Who the fuck knows? They may go 50 and 0. They may go to 50. I think 50 is a nice round number. So I don't think they'll be taking this title of Jade any time soon. So Jade here got Julia Hart with a tilt-a-whirl backbreaker. And she drops a big elbow. Goes for a near fall. Very cocky. Cargill started to do some sit-ups. And Hart went for a clothesline. She bounced off Jade Cargill. Much smaller as Julia Hart. She made a little comeback. Counted a powerbomb attempt into a hurricanrana takeover into a victory roll. Cargill immediately popped up. Big pump kick to the chest. And then the jaded slam, which looked great. One, two, three. Jade Cargill retains the TBS championship. Jade looks great in these two three-minute matches. This is her bread and butter, these two- to three-minute matches. When she's in there, 9, 10, 11 minutes, then that's where you start to see the inexperience. But not every match is going to be two, three minutes. She's going to eventually have to learn to wrestle 10-plus minutes. But she looked fine here. This is what she knows how to do. Great. This is her bread and butter. Tony Khan knows that. I don't really like the way that they gave Julia Hart a championship match Uh, Jade actually chose Julia because of the easiness of Julia Hart in Jade's eyes and the fact that Jade sees that Julia Hart is one-eyed right now. Very easy. Not really champion-esque for Jade Cargill. So I would rather them not go this route, but to give Jade that feeling of getting to 50-0 and being dominant, they're going to throw everybody that they can at her. So we'll see what happens. I'm very curious to know Uh, How long Tony Khan goes with this Jade Cargill undefeated streak and who he potentially has in mind to take down Jade Cargill. 
I'm sure he already knows, and I'm sure he already has a working idea about where he wants to go with this. But it's going to be very interesting because we're going to see a lot of different women come on into the company, man. The women's division is going to look vastly different. By the time we get to double or nothing, this women's division may be the best in North America. It's going to look very, very different. And any one of those women coming in could easily be a prime target for Jade Cargill. We got a Dynamite preview match. CM Punk versus MJF. Nyla Rose versus Ruby Soho. And the House of Black versus Pac and Penta. It's looking like a loaded Dynamite next week. Mercedes Martinez versus Thunder Rosa and Jay Lethal versus Ricky Starks. Next Friday on Rampage. Loaded week of uh, AEW television, man. I like what I'm seeing in those five segments right there. Awesome. Very good stuff. Jurassic Express defeated Private Party in the main event for the AEW Tag Team Championships. This was fun. Seems like w, uh, AEW rather is building up the gun club for uh, a possible tag team title feud with Jurassic Express. I believe they've uh, they've won the majority of their match. They may be undefeated from what I was told. Uh, I think Jesse said they were undefeated, the gun club. They haven't lost the tag team match yet. So they may be in line for the tag team titles Sooner rather than later. And Private Party came out with Matt Hardy. They're still doing this Hardy family office nonsense. I think Private Party needs to move on and be away from the Hardy family office deal. I honestly don't think it's made them any better. In fact, I do think it's made them worse. I don't think they've benefited at all from being in the Hardy family office. Everybody just feels the same. I feel like I just want it to be over with. So this was fun for a while at last. The private party got uh, Jungle Boy in the ring. They hit Gin and Juice for a near fall. Jungle Boy avoided a double leg drop from private party and got the hot tag to Luchasaurus. Private party dropped to the floor. Luchasaurus went after them. Hardy caught Luchasaurus with a chair to the knee and private party regained control. And that's where it stayed for a little bit. Andrade El Idolo and Jose were shown watching backstage from the luxury box. And Luchasaurus, he tried walking to his corner while Private Party held on to his legs, dragging both of them behind him. Slowly made the tag to Jungle Boy. Looked a little lame as he was dragging Mark Quinn and uh, and Isaiah Cassidy to his corner of the ring to tag Jungle Boy. So Luchasaurus did make the tag. He hit a trio of Tope Suicidas to Jungle Boy on Private Party. Isaiah Cassidy caught Jungle Boy with an enziguri. He went for a cover. He got a near fall. Jungle Boy then wound up on Luchasaurus' shoulders. Caught Cassidy coming off the top rope with a almost an like an avalanche fallaway slam off of Luchasaurus' shoulders. It looked great, and it got a near fall. Private Party caught Luchasaurus with the silly string. Jungle Boy locked in the snare trap on Cassidy. Quen broke that up with a top rope shooting star press. Always looks great when Quen goes up top. Private Party then went for Gin and Juice again, but Jungle Boy counted into a Canadian Destroyer. Jurassic Express then hit the Thoratic Thoratic Express. It's my favorite finishing move in all of tag team wrestling, man. It looks fucking great. Uh, And that was enough to get Mark Quinn to lay down one, two, three, and Jurassic Express retain the tag team titles. After the match, the Gun Club ran in, laid out Jurassic Express, and then stood over the champs holding up the title belts as AEW Rampage... Went off the air. We got a great showing 
by both teams here. I thought this was fun. I thought Moxley looked great. I thought Jade looked great in the two minutes that she was there. And I thought we had a fun tag team match with FTR and Lee Johnson with uh, Brock Anderson. Man, it was a it was a really solid show tonight. Really, nothing was like oh my goodness, like we saw on Dynamite. But it was a solid one hour of wrestling. And SmackDown, majority of it was shit. Outside of uh, Roman Reigns, and even that, I'm not really all that interested in knowing where Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins are going because I don't see Seth Rollins winning the Universal Championship. I don't. I don't see it. I don't think it's the right decision. I think Roman Reigns needs to retain that title absolutely 100% on Saturday night at the Royal Rumble. Now, guys, uh, I know we've done I know we've done the, uh, the GoFundMe page for my boy Zach. We've reached almost 18,000, I believe, on the GoFundMe page. If you guys have been watching the stream the last couple of nights, the last week or so, I'm going to post something in the chat, man. I'm going to post something in the chat for you guys to take, uh, to, uh, to support. You know, I don't, I don't usually come on here and do the supporting of GoFundMe pages and all this other stuff quite often. But when I do it, man, there's a, there's a necessity for it. There's a reason for it. Now, I know somebody who has a very, very good friend that's going through a difficult time right now. They reached out to me because of the platform that I have here and how powerful the OTS family really is. And she's going through a difficult time right now. And as far as what I know about the situation, this friend of a friend is not doing too well right now. She is being physically abused by her husband. She's pregnant. She already has a couple of kids as, a, as it stands right now. And she's moving out. And she's moving out. She's got no place to stay. And she's taking her two daughters right now and trying to find somewhere to stay. And my friend right now doesn't have any room in his home to take care of her. So she needs to stay somewhere. So my friend wants to know if the OTS family can help out in any way possible to hopefully get her back on her feet before she gets settled into a new place. So what I'm going to do is if you guys can do anything, I posted a link in the chat. Make sure you guys, I'm pinning it at the top. If you guys can give anything at all, make sure you guys go and do that for me, man. I don't like to see people suffer, especially when it comes to physical abuse, man. If you're married or if you are in a relationship with somebody and you're physically abusing them, I can't stand that shit, man. Especially when you have children with each other. I've I've grown up in my family with my you know people in my family physically abusing each other. I can't stand it. So if you guys can uh, do anything to help out, man, I want to see my friend's friend get back on her feet and just get the fuck out of this terrible situation. So make sure you guys go and do that for me. I really, really appreciate it. Let's go over the Super Chats, man. We're going to start at the top. We got Joseph Taylor with a $2 Super Chat. I have more talent than Oksana. Anybody has more talent than Oksana, man. I could go in the ring and do better than Oksana. 
I don't know why WWE of all people call Oksana. You're giving a spot in the Royal Rumble to Oksana over a Cora Jade or an Io Shirai. That's the fucking sad part about it. Michelle Moran with a $2 super chat. Your thoughts on Andrade trying to recruit Darby. I like it. I think those two will have a great, great match. Jay Coyle with a $5 super chat. UK, Sasha Banks returning tonight was pointless. Would have been much better as a surprise entrant in the Royal Rumble. Yes. Absolutely agree. Tony Brown with a $4.99 super chat. Saw Sasha, but missing Bailey. I think uh, I think you'll get Bailey in the Royal Rumble, Tony Brown. And if not in the Royal Rumble, she'll be back going on into WrestleMania. $10 Super Chat, Prodigy RKO. Great hog show earlier tonight. Got me through a lackluster SmackDown. Any thoughts on how Elimination Chamber will go in Saudi? Also, have you ever thought about taking OTS on the road like Chris? I'm assuming you mean Chris Van Vliet. Uh, no. I have not thought about taking OTS on the road. How, how would I take it on the road? I don't think anybody wants to be interviewed by me, man. Chris interviews, Chris interviews a lot of people, man. Can't do it. But I'm glad you enjoyed that hog show, man. Salamas and I had a great time covering that show. And uh, how do I see the elimination shaping up? Shaping up? I think uh, Brock will be going after the Universal title. So that takes SmackDown out of contention. So I think the Elimination Chamber is going to Monday Night Raw. And I do think we find Bobby Lashley's opponent for WrestleMania in the Elimination Chamber. I think we'll see Austin Theory. I think we'll see Big E. I think we'll see AJ Styles. I think we'll see Omos. Seth Rollins. And somebody else that I can Finn Balor maybe. In the Elimination Chamber. And I think Omos is going to win the Elimination Chamber and challenge Bobby Lashley for the WWE title. I just have a feeling. Jesus with a 999 Super Chat. Do you see Private Party turning on Matt Hardy once Jeff comes in? And we get a feud between Private Party and the Hardy Boys. Yes, I do. I think that's when we see the Hardy Family Office split. As long as they don't continue the Hardy Family Office under the Andrade branch, I'm fine. Esato Fortune with a Canadian $5 Super Jab. Big East title run is so forgettable that he forgot which show he's supposed to wrestle on. He's barely on Raw anymore. Keep it cool, JD. I don't know, man. WWE is chiming in saying, oh, it's Royal Rumble season. Everybody can switch brands. No, they can't. No, they can't. Paul Van Tassel, thank you for the recommitment, brother. 14 months, Sasha Banks and Brock Lesnar are picks for the Royal Rumble. I could see it. ECW Hardcore 07 with a $5 super chat. I've been enjoying Rampage a lot more lately due to Private Party saying that they actually no, you've been enjoying Rampage a lot more Dude, Private Party needs to quit saying pounding that ass. It makes them look like geeks. Yes. It's not funny at all. It's not funny at all. 
Christian Shea with a 999 Super Chat. Who's going to win the Royal Rumble? I wish I knew, Christian. I wish I knew, brother. Brock Lesnar's winning the Royal Rumble. And if Ronda Rousey's in the Royal Rumble, I'm going with Ronda Rousey. If not, Sasha Banks. Christian Shea with another 999 Super Chat. OTS for life. Isa, the NYC Demon Diva with a 499 super chat. I touched AJ Styles' hair. I saw that, Isa. I saw that. I'm quite jealous. Man, if I wasn't such a fucking dick to WWE, maybe they'd invite me out to these things too. Um, yes, AJ Styles has love AJ Styles has has lovely hair. He does. He's got great hair. I'm glad you asked him about that. Did he give you any tips? Is what I want to know. JB with a UK $5 Super Chat. WWE needs to merge the brands after Royal Rumble or that's it. No more. AW is the shiznit. I'm butted out. Hope you're having a good one, bro. Thank you, man. James Smith with a Canadian $5 Super Chat. Hey, JD, hope you had a good day, brother. I'd have a better day if the car wasn't in the shop and the snow wasn't falling in New York City, James. Trizzy Drew with a $4.99 Super Chat. I hear you with LA Knight. I just feel like they might fumble him like they did Bobby Roode after his hot TNA and NXT run. Bobby had all the tools, too. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. James Smith with a $10 Canadian Super Chat. Truth be told, I may be a fan of certain wrestlers, but the reason I don't watch WWE is how corrupt and disgusting that company has been on screen and behind the scenes since Vince Jr. took over. Yeah, they are pretty shady, man. They don't have the best interest of the fans in their heart, man. That's the problem. Anthony with a Canadian $20 super chat, man. Thank you so much, brother. Aaliyah needs some serious work on the mic, but my God, she is really beautiful. Hot as hell. Also, what would it sound like if Omas and Veer Mahan ever introduced themselves to one another? Enjoy the Royal Rumble, JD. I don't know, man. Can Veer speak? Can Veer Mahan speak, man? Veer Mahan? I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm actually uh, I'm actually pretty excited about the Royal Rumble tomorrow, man. Royal Rumble's always good. I love the unpredictability. I'm not really excited about anything but Bobby Lashley and, and Roman Reigns, but I feel like the unpredictability is what sells it. And last year's Rumble was really good. The year before that was decent, right? So WWE's got a nice little... Nice couple of years where the Royal Rumble hasn't been that terrible. At least the men's. The women's, I'm not expecting much out of, to be honest with you. I don't really care about the women's Royal Rumble. But I think uh, overall it's going to be a very, very newsworthy show, man. So I can't wait to cover it on, on the show. Should be good. But guys, I'm about to get out of here, man. We're about to uh, rev up the Mustang, man. 
We are closing up the venue for the night, and we'll be back tomorrow. Happy hour will be early, man. Drinks will be flowing all day long. It's going to be great. Raw Rumble. Going to rest, take it easy tomorrow. Going to be shoveling some snow. And I'll be live tomorrow night. Make sure you guys follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on that bell for notifications. Make sure you guys continue to hit that thumbs up, man. Continue to hit that thumbs up. I see 764 likes on the live stream, man. Let's try for 1,000 minimum. If you guys have not hit the thumbs up, I would really, really appreciate you hit the thumbs up, man. It helps out the video tremendously. Thank you to all the Super Chats. Thank you for the recommitments to the venue. Go get your t-shirts, bonfire.com. The exclusive home of OTS. You guys can use code JDRUMBLE for 15% off everything right now on bonfire.com. Go play some Wrestle Rumble, man. WrestleRumble.com. Get your picks in. Make sure you guys hit them up. Should be a fun time, man. You guys can win $1,000 cash. Wrestle Rumble. And shout out to Cameron Mumford for winning Pick 'em for Life. Hopefully, he is an avid listener of the podcast. Go check out all the other videos that you might have missed as well, guys. Episode 406 and 407 of the podcast are live. On top of the live streams, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, ton of content. So make sure you guys go check out the homepage and check out everything that you might have missed this week. Ton of news and rumors coming out of WWE and AEW this week as we head into a very busy Royal Rumble weekend. And like I said, guys, hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on that bell for all notifications. And you'll see me tomorrow, man. All right, guys, I'm out of here, man. You know what to do. You know what time it is. I need those guitar emojis in the chat. And for those VIPs, man, I need those Mustang emojis in the chat as well if you got them. And when that guitar solo comes on and you hear the sweet sounds of Pilot, I need that music on max. I'll see you guys tomorrow night for the Royal Rumble, man. Should be a good one. See you guys later.